Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this, and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, real quick before we get started on the show, I'm just going to talk about Treeline Academy. You've heard me say it. I can't even tell you how many times. Um, Mark Livesey is treelineacademy.net. That's treelineacademy.net. Sign up. Use the promo code PC2020. Save yourself 20 bucks. Can't say it enough. It's awesome. Amazing. Most comprehensive e-scouting course out there. Check it out for yourself. Sign up. Use promo code PC2020. And now let's get to the show. Okay, so I'm sitting here and I'm talking to Seth Porter also known as the Bearded Nomad and Bearded Nomad Podcast. So, Seth, I'm going to go ahead and just let you introduce yourself from there, and uh, we'll get started, man. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on here, dude. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I've listened to some of your episodes, and I, I, I appreciate your content just as much as I'm sure you appreciate mine. And um, started off, um, my name is Seth Porter. AKA the bearded nomad. Uh, I also have a podcast called the nomad project, which is, you know, all, all kinds of episodes about deer hunting and other things. And, um, I'm 24 years old, married, live in West Virginia. And, uh, I'm, I'm a bow hunter. That's about all, <laughs> that's about all there is to me. And I love God. And, uh, you've been, I basically grew up here in Southern West Virginia most of my life. Um, I kind of bounced around a little bit as a kid. My dad was in the military, uh, so we I moved around a lot. Um, but we ended up finding ourselves back here, and uh, this is where I ended up meeting my wife. And um, this is probably where we'll be for a while until me and her decide to get up and get on out of here. <laughs> so where would you guys head if you did move out? Dude, we've talked about, I don't know, like four different states. My I would love right now to just drop everything and move to Wyoming and live out in Wyoming <laughs> for, for like just for a couple of years to see or a year to see how much I love it. And then to definitely tell myself, yeah, I'm never moving. But um, we've actually like seriously like discussed like uh, Tennessee, like Eastern Tennessee. Um, she's also uh, trying to get into med school right now. So, um, we've everywhere we look, we're having to look at the med school and the, you know, the requirements and stuff like that to see if it lines up with what we can do. And, but, uh, we've talked about Eastern Tennessee quite a bit. And if we do end up moving, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up there. Yeah. I like Eastern Tennessee. It, 
basically anywhere where there's mountains, it seems to draw me. I think something about the mountains pulls me in. And uh, I definitely want to relocate somewhere out west still, I think. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. But um, for sure. So you're going to be a trophy husband then, huh? Oh, absolutely. That's why that's in my uh, Instagram bio. Is that that reason right there? A lot of people have have. I know there's certain people that wanted to been asked me or wanted to ask me about it, but Summer noticed it one day and she was like, "What is that?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm." That's, I was like, "What do you think?" <laughs> she just was like, "I hate you." Like, <laughs> she's like, "I told her. I said, look. I said I'm gonna give you. You know, I'm gonna give you ten years of solid. You know." busting ass for work and taking care of you and when you become a doctor it's on <laughs> like i'm 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 staying at home you'll have fresh linens and uh dinner will be cooked every single day but i'm hunting and that's my life so. <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> oh yeah yeah so um kind of walk me through like i mean did you hunt your whole life did you start when you were a kid how, how did it go yeah um so I got into hunting at a very early age, uh, about 10 years old, nine or 10 years old. Um, was when I got my first bow, uh, I took my first animal, which was a, a giant ram. Uh, and I, you know, so I was, I was actually younger than nine or 10. I think I might've been eight. Um, and I took it with a rifle and I honestly don't know the entire backstory on that, but that's kind of what set it off, um, for me. Uh, hunting with my uncle and and seeing my uncles, you know, do the do the bow hunting thing. And so as I grew up, that's all I wanted to do. But you know, moving around with my dad or not my just my dad, but my family, it was kind of like I just didn't we didn't really have I didn't really have time to hunt, uh, especially with other things kind of taking precedent. And so um, you know, I I got back into it in middle school a little bit, and then. Uh, my eighth grade year in middle school, I was like fully into football. So football and then lacrosse in high school took a lot of my time and also, uh, girls. And (laughs) (laughs) so that took, just took a lot of my time. And then I, I was like, man, I really want to bow. I really want to bow my junior going into my senior year. And my dad got me one and, uh, I didn't get to pick it up until after my senior year. I kind of realized that uh, me playing college sports wasn't going to happen. So I was like, I'm going to go pick my bow up. Like I got all this time. And so I was in college and me and we had, me and my dad had this very tiny piece. Uh, I mean, very tiny, maybe, I don't even know how big it was, but to hunt and deer were moving through there all the time. And, uh, <laughs> my first, I think two weeks there, I missed four deer. And this was like, like, this is like, I don't, I don't even know what I was thinking, but like, I didn't have a range finder and I was missing these deer at like 15 yards. And I don't, I don't even know how I was missing them, but missed four deer. And then all of a sudden, like it just something clicked and I was like practicing more and I ended up killing really, I ended up killing like a hundred I think he was 40 inch, 140 inch, 12 point a year. Uh, on November 16th, and my best friend was 50 yards away, sitting in the grass, like watched the whole thing go down, and um, it was it was insane. It was crazy, but that that kind of just got it sparked, and I was like 17 or 18 then, um, and that kind of sparked it back up for me. And uh, ever since then, I haven't laid down my bow. It's been basically balls to the wall, and you know I'm just which. Now I'm I'm still learning a lot, but I I know so much more now than I did then, and that's kind of that's kind of how my hunting journey was. I, I did a lot of the other stuff being younger, but uh, not like I didn't really get really serious into bow hunting until I was about you know 17, 18 years old. That's pretty cool. That's I mean yeah. I think I was like sixteen and didn't know how good of a piece of property I had it, you know. And then yeah. kind of just reflecting back on it, it's like, man, if I would have only like sought out a mentor <laughs> or picked up a book oh, yeah. and actually learned some things. But you know, what sixteen-year-old yeah, kid's sure. gonna want to pick up a book? You know, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, the mistakes I made. I had, I had it so great, <laughs> and yeah. now, now though that opportunity's long since passed, and and here I am hunting public dirt and trying to trying to maybe oh, yeah, capitalize man. on some big ones but so I hear you 
<laughs> so uh what kind of i mean are you always uh a compound kind of guy or you ever do any traditional uh, or? as for now as of now i'm i'm just i i got my i got my matthews triax and i'm not dropping it anytime soon but I do see myself headed that way eventually. Like I like in a serious, on a serious note, I really do just because I love bow hunting so much. Um, and I think the reason why I like one of the big reasons why is because the challenge it brings to me. And I know eventually I'm going to feel like, you know, I'm going to take enough deer with my, my, my compound that I'm just going to be like, okay, the next step is to go get a long bow and, and start with that <laughs> right that's like i think did josh profit uh pick up a a compound oh bow? yeah yeah i know that's i saw that and i was like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> but i think a big reason why he did was because he is um i mean he probably wanted to anyway but he was uh i think he started like he entered that quest hunt co like um hunting competition or something with a buddy I don't know how that works, but it was some kind of like, like oh. size, buck size uh, thing. And um, yeah, so I think that's a, a, probably a big reason why he did that. So kind of bringing him up, it made me think of it is because I saw you've been hunting down in Kentucky. Um, oh, yeah. What's what's the deal with that? Like, are you just going down because their season started before yours or what? Um. So I, last year was my first year going out of state and hunting. Um, and I did Ohio and, uh, it was, it's I live in this part of West Virginia where I can just cross a bridge and I'm over in Ohio or I can cross another one and I'm over in Kentucky. I'm like really close to both. So, um, I was driving to Ohio every single day, 35, 45 minute drive to go hunt, uh, last year and got my butt handed to me. And so, this year I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hunt Kentucky. Um, and that was the, the, the challenge or the state that I picked to hunt out of state. I was going to, I'm, I've made it a thing that I might, I'm going to try to hunt out of state, at, at least one state out of state each year, um, along with my home state, West Virginia. Um, I, I don't know. I, last year I got my, my butt absolutely handed to me in Ohio and, uh, so I'm I'm after redemption this year to kill my first out of state deer, and uh, also tag out in West Virginia. So, so um, I mean, is it pretty easy to get tags? It's not like Iowa, where you got to like put in yeah, a, yeah. maybe oh, two here, years or put in yeah. points or anything. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of stuff here, like a lot of stuff East Coast is all uh, OTC. Like everything's over the counter, so you don't have to put in points or anything like that. Is Kentucky uh, over the counter? Yeah, Kentucky is. Um, Kentucky's over the counter. They're elk. They're they have elk. That's a point system. Yeah, that's um, that's like winning the lottery, yeah. though. I mean, like the yeah, literal lottery to try and it, get that. It is. It's a cheap tag it if is. you draw it, but my goodness, yeah. trying to get it. Um, that uh, they also have over the counter elk tags, but it's like it's only places you can hunt with that tag. It's like what they called like the it's. They have two zones. It's elk zone and then a non-elk zone. And basically the elk zone is like all controlled, uh, like lottery-based tags. And then the non-elk zone, you can still hunt elk uh, there, uh, but it's not controlled. So you can, you know, just get the tag and go. Now, most of that's like private land or something, right? That's where it's like... I have, um, to be honest with you, I have no idea. I think I looked into it, and I'm not 100%, but I think like the 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 non-controlled non-elk zone is because what's yeah. happening is like the elk are expanding outside of the projected area of where yeah. they figured they would establish a herd. And, yeah. and so it's actually getting into like agriculture and stuff. So, so you get permission from a farmer or lease it from them or whatever. And then you can yeah. hunt the elk that are getting into the agriculture and possibly like destroying crops and yeah. stuff. So yeah. that's pretty cool. But I think as the far as is, I know, it's, it's hard to find a spot to do it. Cause I think a lot of outfitters it, it, have at least. Yeah. That's, that's a big thing that's happening, uh, over there in Kentucky right now, right over across the bridge is there's, there's that in Ohio, there's a lot of, uh, outfitters like either forming or moving in and like just buying up property. Um, 
which you know to each their own but it, it i think it i think it can get a little out of hand but that's also because i don't want outfitters so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't really hunt with an outfitter either so um but so let's kind of talk about like what you did to get ready for your season before you started this year like what was your big yeah. things that you were you were doing and then what were you doing as far as when you're looking for your out of state hunt what were you kind of doing yeah so first thing I'll, I'll kind of start with this i like to kind of give a good picture of, of, of everything that i do um in 2018 i killed let's see one two three i killed four deer four or five deer and uh it was i had a great year i hunted only west virginia that year um i killed a really good buck um another smaller two and a half year old buck and then a couple does and um I just had a great year. Like I felt my body felt good. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I want to say that I put myself in good positions to kill deer, but that because that year I was taking, um, I was starting to do the whole like mobile hunting thing. And like, so I kind of like put my, I don't know. I don't know what I did that year that just put me in positions to kill deer, but I did. So, and then 2019, um, my health wasn't bad, but, uh, it was just, it was slowly starting, excuse me, starting to wear on me. Um, and I was running on like, uh, two to three hours of sleep at night. Cause I was working two thirty to 11 o'clock Monday through Friday. And then every morning I would go and hunt. So I was getting maybe, you know, three, if I was lucky, four hours of sleep at night, wake up, go hunt, come back eat, get dressed, go to work. Um, you know, and I was running off of energy drinks and granola bars and, you know, it just wasn't working. Um, and so this year coming into this year, um, you know, hunting two different States, like consistently, um, first thing I was wanting to do was really focus on my health, uh, dealing with type one diabetes. Like it's so hard for me to consistently stay, like keep muscle on, and so, um, you know, I, I do okay, but I could do a lot better. But right now, uh, I, or excuse me, getting ready, I was like, okay, I'm going to stay in the gym throughout the season, and I'm going to pick a weight um, to stay at during the season. And if I catch myself dropping below that, I'm going to, you know, like, you know, back off and, and focus and make sure I'm staying ready. Um, and, and I have been. Uh, Kentucky started September 5th. And I've stayed, uh, I set the weight for myself to be between 168 or excuse me, 169 and 172. And I've stayed, I've stayed right at 170, uh, 169, one, or yeah, 169, 170 the whole time. Um, and made sure I was eating and made sure I was getting better sleep. Um, haven't killed anything yet, but, uh, I feel, I feel good in my body. And that's obviously a big important thing because. Last year, I, I wore my body out, and I was just getting lazy and reckless and careless and definitely didn't kill anything over in Ohio. So um, another big thing uh, for me was to just scout twice as much as I was going to hunt um, out-of-season and in-season. Um, and so my out-of-season scouting was very, very productive uh you know, I got two targets right now that I'm waiting to make a move on here in West Virginia. Um, and, uh, so r right now it's just not, it's not the right time. So I'm kind of just bouncing around other places, hoping to catch a doe or, um, you know, maybe shoot another nice buck elsewhere, but, uh, kind of just really, man, just focusing on my health and, uh, and then really becoming a student of the deer. And I know that sounds kind of goofy, but, just reading what the deer are doing and why they're doing it and, and find, like reading sign a lot better. And when I say reading sign, I don't just mean like sit there and wonder why it's there. It's just like literally go in, find where the deer are at, find why they're traveling from point A to point B. And then when season comes, do the same exact thing in season because that's what matters is, is seeing what they're doing during the season. Cause that's when you can kill them and, uh, you know, find out what they're doing from point A to point B, cut them off or, you know, meet them at point A or 
point B, you know, and that, that was my two biggest things right there was making sure my, my body felt good uh, for me to be able to cognitively function and, and find the deer and uh, be, just be super aggressive and get in, find what they're doing and kill and get out. So when you're talking about scouting and you're saying in season and out of season, are you talking boots on the ground exclusively? Are you talking e-scouting, like sitting at a computer, studying, looking for yeah. like transitions and different little benches, slopes, you know, yeah. little draws to I find like, them in? Yeah. yeah, I do like e-scouting a lot. I really do. Um, and I've actually kind of gotten a little bit better. Like, I, like there, no one can look at a map and go, yep, that's going to be where the deer are. Because, I mean, the deer are going to decide where they're going to be. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you, I, anybody and even, you know, uh, uh, guys who I look up to have said, you know, anybody who looks at a map and goes, yep, that's where that buck's bedded, you know, and they're like, that, that's almost impossible because <laughs> the buck's going to bed wherever the buck's going to want to bed, you know. Um, but I, a lot of my stuff is, is a boots on the ground. Um, but I do, once I find a good spot, I do mark it on the map and I do try to start putting puzzle pieces together on, you know, what I find. Uh, but I don't think there's anything as good as being boots on the ground. I really don't. So, um, so are you looking like when you're hunting out of state, are you hunting like giant pieces of public parcels or what, what are you hunting? Um, I hunted, so as of now, I've hunted two pretty big pieces of, of public in Kentucky. Um, one was a couple hours away and the other one is, is within, within a good driving distance. I mean, it's not far. Um, uh, it's, I, the thing is though, is that like the public that's within driving distance is, is very, it's like, it's can do access. Um, you know, there's some pieces like, or some parts I can get, you know, just by driving or walking in, but, a lot of water access um another thing is uh you know i'm i love hunting public land and i'm like you know i, I made a post the other night but then i grind my teeth on public land just because you know i I'm, i believe in everything that a public land is and and that you know the we live in a country that provides um amazing <laughs> amazing opportunities for public land and uh and being able to access it but like I decided like I was going to hunt um, everything I can get my hands on. Basically, if it was offered to me, I was going to take it, um, you know, public, private, um, you know, a backyard that's got a 170 <laughs> walking through the edge of it, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah, I um, get it. And, no, and, without a doubt. The, the, <laughs> the thing is, is that like, it's not because I, somebody tried to say that it was because, oh, I was having too much of a hard time on public and that was not it at all though the, i love that challenge and i have a chip on my shoulder especially with people around here um hunting public and stuff but uh the thing is is that i'm i'm a killer first like i'm a hunter first and in my mindset it's like i don't care where i get where i get to kill it you know what i mean like uh, and I, and there, and there's obviously ex exceptions to that i'm kind of getting off on a tangent you're, you're on a bone quest I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're on a bone quest. Exceptions. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not. You're not going to catch me on an outfitter, and you're not going to catch me paying to hunt somewhere ever. You know, but um, I'm, I just, I'm a killer, and I want to kill deer. You know, and if I find a buck on public that I want to kill, that's where I'm going to kill it. That's where my two targets are right now, is on public land, and uh, you know, I plan on having at least one of them, if not both of them on the ground, but back to back, sorry for the tangent, back to where we were. <laughs> um, there, your question was the sizes of public. Both of them were pretty big pieces. Um, I can't really do, honestly, there's not really any small parcels near me um, or even within a couple hour driving distance, to be honest with you. All the, all the spots that I, that I checked out or e-scouted or had boots on the ground have been well over thousands of acres. No, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So you kind of mentioned something earlier. I want to ask you uh, your definition and how you define it. But you you said mobile hunter, and so some people yeah. might be listening. They might not understand that, and they they see it or they hear it a lot, um, you know. And and so, like, what's your definition of mobile hunting? 
my definition of mobile hunting is being able to adapt and move to where the deer are and to not completely ride off a spot just because um, the wind's not the way it should be for a permanent stand. You know what I mean? Like if you got to be at point, you know, B, uh, you know, but point B doesn't have the right wind, um, you know, it's nothing to take a stand and move it 20 yards to the left or right or, you know, 70, 80 yards down the trail um, to use that wind to your advantage to kill that deer. You know what I mean? If that deer, I think every deer is killable. Um, but I think sometimes, uh, you got to be a little bit more, you got to be having the ability to move more, the ability to adapt, to adapt. Right. Um, you know, you, you're not just going to write off, oh, I can't kill that deer because the wind's not good. Well, adapt to the wind and be mobile, move down the trail or, you know, get higher in the tree or whatever your, your thing is. That's, that's my definition of mobile is, you know, um, I could give you a, a, a really simple, basic <laughs> answer of you know, no permanent stands. Right. Well, great, but but really, it's mobile hunting is all, all, always um, and obviously the ability just to adapt to your surroundings and being able to adapt and 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 uh, overcome and get it done anyway. Yeah. No, that's that's kind of my thoughts on it too. I just wanted to hear your definition and then. Yeah. That way, other people that are listening that may hear that term, for sure, not not knowing it. Um, yeah. So, what kind of things are you specifically holding in on when uh, when when you're looking for deer? I mean, are you taking a bunch of puzzle pieces, or are you like, so this time of year, you know, mast crops are just starting to drop, stuff like that, yeah. or are you kind of focusing on fields that still have some green in them? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, depending on how early it is, uh, I'd, I can be honest with you. There's a, there's a piece over in Kentucky right now that it's planted in beans and corn. And I asked back in the second or uh, yeah, second week of September for permission. I've yet to hear anything now, you know, I don't think that those beans are, those beans are very yellow now, you know what I mean? So yeah. now I don't have the oomph to go over there and really want permission. It's a great piece, but um, the big thing is, is I think, honestly, I think a lot of people don't look in, don't look at this, but uh, uh, when the food sources are changing, um, you know what I mean? So like early season, like early September in Kentucky, everybody's talking about beans. The reason why is because those bucks love those beans, especially when they're green, you know what I mean? Like it's not, they're still, they, they got some, uh, they got some uh, moisture in them. They're not dry, and um, so that that's a big thing is is is, is food. The, the deer are slaves to their stomach, so you know. And I know people probably heard that a hundred times, but I used to kind of overlook that statement. But it's very true. The deer's got to eat, you know. So um, I I like to hit whatever food source. Um, if I didn't like find a specific bed or like you know find a rub line or a scrape line. And I'm and I'm still kind of like, you know, scouting and not really figuring stuff out. I will find the first. I will try. Excuse me. I will try my best. I won't. I don't always do it, but I try my best to find that first oak tree that's dropping acorns. Um, usually, that first mass massive oak tree that's dropping acorns is usually going to be on fire. It's almost like it's all. It's. So I saw something the other day that. They said they compared it to hunting a, a corn pile in the middle of you know a drought, um, <laughs> but but it's but I really do I really do try to key on uh, the sources. Um, but I try to the, this is another thing that's where I feel like it's oversaid. But the food sources that's closest to bedding, um, like if you if you're scouting and you find a rub line, you follow it back to a bed and you see tracks and. Then you see a you know an oak tree that's within you know 100 yards or 150 yards, you know a trail in between those two or you know hunting that that you know that acorn flat is prob or the oak flat is probably going to be a pretty decent spot to be you know given that the wind's in your favor or you know the 
wind is you're using the wind in your favor uh to to get on that deer i like i really like finding like you said the mass crop and and the food sources that's that's a big thing for me um especially like you know traveling to kentucky and different stuff like that like i i just don't have the time um or the or the or the resources to kind of just play it safe um if i'm on fresh sign or fresh you know like fresh uh acorns that are falling i'm on it like i'm in there i'm getting in there quick and i'm and i'm not going to waste any time just because i you know i i have very limited time to do what i can do and very limited uh you know resources so i try to be as pretty aggressive on on the acorns and and stuff like that or persimmon trees yeah those are always on fire i've noticed too i mean just on public ground in general if you if you find fresh sign and you know it's a big deer you better just hunt them you better just hunt it yeah because if you don't somebody else will and you're going to lose that opportunity so that's one thing i've definitely learned absolutely my mistake last year was thinking that no one else knew or no one else would find that sign. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was that was a very dumb. I don't know what I was thinking in my head at all, but that was a very, very dumb thought. Um, that sign. But the thing is, I mean, that deer didn't die. But the thing is, is that that uh, that sign got old very quick. And I think I really think that deer just. I don't think it moved like counties. But I think it moved a couple hundred yards away because of the pressure that the other person had put on that that spot. That sounds exactly like a scenario that I had. I found found a real nice buck and had a camera and everything, you know, and I was like, oh, all right, perfect. Yeah, opener, nobody's hunting there. Drove by it, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait till it cools off a little bit. It's going to be perfect. You know, that was the dumbest thing I ever did. I probably should have just went in there and hunted it and would have had yeah. something and then pretty soon other people discovered it and next thing you knew that yeah. parking lot was full and there'd be five people in one oh, little area and that buck was Don't long gone so oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so you talked about water sure. access that is yeah. kind of one of my newfound favorite things and favorite ways to access hunting property <laughs> yes so it's awesome how do you go about it um Man, so I, I, I've only accessed with water. I've done it more times this year than I've ever done it. But I did it um, once last year um, on a spot, and it didn't pan out. But this year, I have, I don't worry about anything else, but just getting to that spot and being able. Once I be able to, you know, pull the boat up and tie it off from there being able to get to a spot that the wind stays in my favor for most of the time. Um, this year, uh, me and my wife, she went with me hunting and I never had been to the spot before, but I knew the way we were going to get there was canoe. We threw it in and we paddled probably, I don't even know how far I'll say probably 1200 yards. Um, and when we got off, I noticed immediately that the wind was coming, like we were standing at the bottom of a hill. And I noticed immediately that the wind was coming off that hill. And innately, it was like, okay, I need to find a bench or a trail that's, you know, on this on this side hill. Like, I, I just, that's what I need to find. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how, that's just kind of something I'll, I'll tell a little bit more about that, but I'm, I, I can't keep my thoughts together if I, if I don't <laughs> stay on topic. Um, I have trouble with that. My wife tells me all the time. But anyway, uh, basically how we do it, dude, is honestly we just take the canoe, strap it to the truck, <laughs> take it, carry the water, you know, throw our stuff in and then get in um, and just paddle to where we want to go. I, always, I, try, I do take – the big reason for water access is because – um, somebody much wiser than me and a lot better hunter than I am told me that, you know, if you use the same access as everyone else, you're going to have the same success as everyone else. Makes sense. And right? so, 
Yeah, and uh, he has already tagged out on a buck and a doe this year and earned another buck tag. So <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's an animal. Todd, if you listen to this, you're you're a stud. But um, yeah, so th- I, that was a big reason why I started doing the access more this year uh, with a canoe because I took that to heart and I took you know where the wind was blowing, not just at that immediate time, but um, where it was going to end up blowing. And I took that uh, into account with my access and my exit, um, depending on my exit, you know, depending on if there was a big buck in the area, but mostly just my entrance. If it's my first time in there or my second time in there, you know, I don't want, uh, you know, my, my ground to be blown down, you know, another 30, 40 yards. And the deer, I might have snuck past the deer, but then they, you know, they walk up and they smell the ground. I'm like, oh, okay, you know. So I kind of, I, I took that into a big account. And that was kind of just the big thing was, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the same access as everyone else. And I don't want, uh, I want to have more success. So <laughs> that, that was the big reason why I started doing that water access. So are you, when you're doing the water access, are you like, you're not paddling very far then? I mean, like you said, you said like 1200 yards, you're not going in like a couple yeah. miles deep or anything crazy. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If if I decided on, if I needed to one day, or if I, you know, I would do it. There's no doubt in my mind. Like I'll do it. Like I'll do whatever <laughs> I got to do to find the deer. You know what I mean? But as of yet, as of yet, I have not. I haven't <laughs> paddled that far. So two years ago, I tried that. Um, I think I posted a video on Instagram, maybe. And so I, I didn't have a canoe at the time. I didn't have a boat at the time. All I had was my kayak. And my buddy had his yeah. kayak over at another buddy's house, and I went over and grabbed He's like, yeah, go ahead and grab it. So I used his kayak and put all my gear in it. And I towed his kayak behind mine, and I paddled in. Oh, man. And this is on a river that's moving pretty quick at a good clip. And I'm like, yeah. man, this is moving kind of fast. I don't know if this is a good idea. And I said, hell with it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I did it. And one of like the, the back flows that I went up, it ended up, it was frozen over, and I couldn't even get through it. Oh, so no. I was like, oh, boy. So I had to backpedal back because, like, the way the, the backflow was going, the water was flowing, and it actually pushed me up, like, onto the ice. <laughs> oh, God. So I had to push myself off the ice, drag the other oh, kayak God. back. I paddled out of there. And instead of, like, at that point turning around, I went, like, another mile downstream. Goodness. And uh <laughs> I pulled in on the, where I was like scouting it on the maps and I'd never gone like you it would take you forever to get back there and it was like only oh, yeah. only five miles or maybe six miles from the parking lot. But there was a <laughs> there was water access that was like one mile. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I can do this. So I did it and I got in there and it was prime time rut. As soon as I got pulled up into the shore and I got out and stepped out, I heard something. And two does come running right past me up on, on the on the creek, on the bank, on the bank. And I was like, oh. oh, man, okay. So I hurry up, grab my bow, get my stuff, and I kind of just pop up there and I look, there's a spike. And I grabbed one of the oh. Montana decoys. And I'm rattling around, fumbling around, making noise. And I'm like, oh, God, whatever's up there scared away. And I yeah. get up over there and I'm standing there. And it's a little, <laughs> like a little forky and he's staring oh. at me. And so I hold up that decoy and he puts his head down and he starts stomping his hoof and his front hoof. And I'm like, I wonder if he's going to come at me. So I start walking yeah. towards him and he kind of backs up a little bit, stands up straighter yeah. and puffs out his chest. <laughs> oh man. He's and ready he, to go. he snorts at me and I'm like, <laughs> holy crap. So finally he takes off and I'm trying to figure out like, I'm not going to shoot him, but what if this is a bigger deer? How am I going to oh, yeah. hold this decoy? So he doesn't, I don't drop it and he just runs away and draw back my yeah. bow and shoot it all at the same time. And then at the same time, I'm like, I want to try and film this. <laughs> so oh, dude, that'd be crazy. trying to like film it with my cell phone and it did not work out <laughs> well. But, um, so then I, I was like, okay, man, I got to hurry up and get set up. So I like hurry up and go back grab my stand, throw it up in a tree, like maybe 30 yards from where I was standing, where all this action happened. And the wind's still in my favor the whole time. It was awesome. 
And I look off to my distance, and I see a big buck. I don't know size exactly, and I'm not as good as thinking because I actually saw one that I thought was like 160, 170, and turned out to be somebody else shot it, and it was like 200 plus. Oh, God. But, but anyway, so I'm not that good at guessing, but I would say it was probably a 150, 60, somewhere in there. Yeah. And um, I see him, and he's like way off further on and i'm like man i could almost get down and do that and i'm like now wait a minute those does are over here maybe he'll come over to the does and i watched him and he just bedded down in like a staging area that was probably like i don't know 100 yards away from me and all i could see is butt and tips of tines moving around and it stayed there and he stayed there until it was dark and i don't know if it was because he saw me but that was like the first time i ever kayaked in somewhere and I was like, yeah. this is amazing. And it like, had me hooked. And then, so I'm like, okay, you know, it's dark now. I got all my crap loaded up and I start paddling. And it's not too bad in the, like, the backflow. And then I get out onto the main river. And I'm paddling and I'm paddling and I'm paddling and I'm paddling. My arms feel like they're going to fall out. And I'm, and I'm barely making it anywhere. And I don't even think I made it a quarter mile. And I was paddling for about an hour. And finally, a boat comes by. <laughs> oh, yes. And he comes by, and he's like, what are you doing? I said, I went deer hunting. And he goes, you and I'm like, you give me a lift, dude? And he's like, yeah, sure. Well, he tried pulling me, and it didn't work because I had too much drag yeah. behind me with the other things. So we ended up towing the one kayak, and we threw my other kayak in his boat, and he gave me a ride back to the launch. And he was just oh, yeah. laughing and laughing. And he goes, yeah. what are you thinking? And I was like. Yeah, I'm thinking big deer. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. man, he goes, it, I probably wouldn't have given you a ride if you had a big buck on there. <laughs> because <laughs> he goes, because that is insane. So he ended up like snapping a picture of me <laughs> and sent it to all his buddies. <laughs> and he's like, look at the balls on this dude. <laughs> oh my God. But That's hilarious. it was terrible. And I started thinking in my mind, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to just pull over and cling on to somebody's dock and like get out and and walk walk back to the yeah to the launch no or doubt. something it was bad yeah. it was bad and then so i came home and i told my wife i'm like well pretty much almost she's like how did it go how did the whole kayak thing go and i was like it was stupid and she goes i told you that before you left <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah they're, they're good for that i told you that before you left but uh it, yeah so then i went out and i ended up getting a boat for that season and then i was like oh yeah and the boat just didn't wasn't what exactly i needed and yeah. then I end up now I got a canoe that's a big canoe and I got a yeah. little outboard for it and I keep the outboard yeah. on a on a like a cargo carrier on the back of my truck yeah. that way I don't get any gas or anything on my on my hunting gear and I yeah, roll with that sure. and that's pretty sweet <laughs> that I think that's I think that's what's going to happen for me next is having a canoe with a little you know trolling motor on the back um just because it's it's very versatile and useful Absolutely. But you said so. You said you got a you got a wife. You're married. Yep. Yep. Okay. So if uh, if you ever want to uh, figure out if you and your wife are really good at communicating, put put both of you uh, in a canoe with three thousand dollars worth of gear and <laughs> see if uh, see if you guys can communicate with each other, paddling to the hunting spot. Uh, yeah. Me, me and my wife, we did we weren't laughing in the moment, but after. When we got out, we start laughing. They're like, you know, me and her are gonna become marriage counselors, and that's gonna be, that's gonna be, te- that's gonna be the beginning and ending test to see if you know your communication skills got better or not. Man, I tell you what, I don't even think, first of all, that she'd paddle. She'd be like, "What do I have to paddle for?" Yeah, Why, you're back you're here. here. Yeah, you you're here. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if I have to worry about trying to communicate that with her, but trust me launching a boat with your wife is about the same same oh, ordeal so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely no uh, doubt. yeah so um what, what's your big plans for this season then you got anything going on i mean other than you got your two targets yeah um realistically i i think that i'll i'll catch up with one of those deer um, you know, if God, if God wills it, I'll catch up with both of them. <laughs> if I, if I just go crazy and have, and have a crazy season. Um, but yeah, right now it's just, uh, I, 
took a break from Kentucky and kind of just focused on West Virginia. Um, I really love hunting here. Like I love, I loved hunting Ohio and I, and I really like hunting Kentucky, but hunting, hunting my home state, it's just, uh, it's just something, I don't know, it's special to me. So I really love hunting here and, uh, I'm headed to Tennessee, uh, to hunt with a group of guys that are awesome group of guys, um, between, uh, October 22nd through the 26th on a big piece of public up there. Um, and that's going to be a blast. It's like pre-rut. So, you know, big bucks should be moving around. So, um, but other than that, yeah, that's, that's it. Just try to, I have the way I see it right now is Tennessee is, is it's going to be cool, but I got three tags in West Virginia, uh, two buck tags in the doe tag. And then I have four tags in Kentucky. That's how many deer you can kill. You can kill one buck and three does. And my my goal for the season is to is to fill all seven tags. That's a good goal, man. That's uh, yeah. That's that's a hefty uh, goal, but it hopefully is. you do it, it man. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. my wife told me. She said, "No more screwing around this year." We've <laughs> we've started to realize that with our kids getting older, the consumption of meat in this house is pretty crazy and so normally we get yeah we get a a half of beef and that doesn't even hardly last us till the next year yeah. anymore so she said no more screwing around and just trying to chase a big deer like like you did yeah. last year and only taking one dose she's like you need to you need to fill some tags i don't care what they are yeah. i'm not saying you can't <laughs> chase big deer but you better fill some tags before you before you start passing on a bunch of deer so that's right that's right <laughs> So that's that's my goal this year is I got to lay some stuff down pretty early so then when by the time the yeah, rut comes I along I I missed a doe in Kentucky at 25 yards and my wife's sitting there filming me I shot right over her back and my wife's like laughing at me like giving me crap and I just start <laughs> laughing and then so I missed that opportunity and then last night I hunted in a, a great spot um uh I've mentioned my uncles, uh, you know, I grew up hunting with my uncles. I, me and my uncle that I hunt, I hunt with frequently, we are very uh, different hunters. I'm very aggressive, you know, balls to the wall, get in there, kill, get out. And he's very, um, he can be aggressive, but he's just way more conservative about it. Um, he's, he's a fringe hunter. He'll just keep fringe, like cutting the fringes and, and getting closer as time goes on. Me, I'm like straight in there, straight out kind of the guy, but, Last last night he was like, hey, like, you know, in, in this spot, please don't kill any does. He's like, I really think it's going to be a good spot for a buck, so don't blow the spot out. And in my head, I'm like, that's not going to blow the spot out. Like, you know, like that doesn't that doesn't work like that. But I I respected his wishes. I didn't want to <laughs> I didn't want to um you know be a be a jerk. So I had five does come through last night. All almost all of them were in shooting range, and I was just I was heartbroken because I was like, God. <laughs> I was like, my, I, like I told you earlier, like I, I have killer instinct. Like it took a, <laughs> it's, it's taken, it's taken up till up to three years for me to start going, okay, you know, if it's not one thirty, I don't want to shoot it. You know what I mean? So, um, and I'm, and I'm still having hard time with that. Like I, I told myself my West Virginia tags, I want them to be at least one thirty. you know, it, if they're pushing one thirty, like one twenty something like one twenty five or bigger, that's fine, but um, I want to. I just want to kill the mature buck, you know, the older deer and the ones that have a little bit bigger racks. And and man, I was just like, I I could kill any of these does right now. I had one walk at five yards, you know, and I I'm fully okay with taking a, a frontal shot to her chest. <laughs> and I I was I thought it was a I I grabbed my bow and and put the camera on this deer because I didn't know what it was until she got too close. And uh, I was like, man, I was like, I could have had you dead to right, you know, and I'm like heartbroken. And I was like texting my uncle. I'm like, look, <laughs> I respected your wishes, but I had three does done last night. I could I could have filled all tags. It could have been done. But yeah, I mean, I just, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I'm upset that I don't have a deer on the ground already, but. I'm I'm heading out in the morning to a spot. Hopefully, I whatever I see in the morning. If it's 
if it's a doe, it's definitely getting shot. If it's yeah. a buck, it, it it'll depend. But my season hasn't opened yet, so I'm looking forward to that. We're gonna. No, hopefully... you're in Iowa, right? Illinois, yeah. Illinois, so, Illinois. So, yep, okay. October. I knew, I knew it was an I. Yep, October 1st, so we'll see what happens. I don't know if I'm going to make it out on the opener, but I'm going to try. So, yeah. we'll see. But, man, now, it's been let good. Let me ask you. Yep, go ahead. Go, no, you first. You first. Nope. Go ahead. I'll go ahead, man. Go ahead and ask okay, me. Okay, so you said earlier about uh, we were talking about um, thinking that nobody was going to find the sign, uh, and you said you were going to wait till it cools off. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you, are you the kind of person that would rather wait for cooler weather or would you just be like, screw it. I hear it is. I'm going after it now or then, <laughs> cause, well, uh, yeah, well, then, guess, then well, it was a lot different. That was my first time, yeah. uh, hunting public ground. So I was yeah. kind of used to the whole private mentality that nobody else was going to molest it or disturb it or do anything or, yeah. or push those yeah. deer out. And I really didn't understand the dynamic of, you know, real pressure. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I, I was that person, but my tune quickly changed. And then like the more you listen to guys like Tony Peterson that, you know, hunts a lot of public dirt and kills a lot of yeah. mature deer. His whole thing is, is don't be a fair weather hunter. Don't be one of those guys that go, Oh man. Yeah. Cold front, but there's going to be sleet or ice or, you know, I don't, I don't want to yeah. hunt that. Get out there and hunt it. Yeah. Do it. The worst, the crappiest, hottest, nastiest days get out there because nobody else is going to do it yeah. especially during That's football so season true. <laughs> so, oh yeah oh yeah so yeah you know, i i do i completely agree with that 100 percent. yeah so that's kind of my new philosophy and it seems to work a lot better other thing is, is i've noticed there's still a lot of guys that are uh they're the kind of guy that will go out they'll get there they'll get right out you know half hour before dark or before daybreak and an hour and a half, two hours into into daylight, they're already getting down and leaving. Oh yeah, it's time to go to Waffle House. You didn't know that? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's one of those things that man, get out there, spend as much time as you can out there until you can't possibly yeah. sit anymore. Then maybe get up and move, or go yeah. to your car, get yourself a sandwich, go to the bathroom, yeah. and get back out there, man. That's so. That's yeah, that's got, my theory I, this year. I got a. Yeah, I got a couple. I got a couple like takes on that. It's one, not everybody's as serious as bow hunters and me. So I, that's I had to tone it down when talking to a lot of people because some people just aren't about it. You know what I mean? Like me, I'm like I'll spend every freaking second I got out there. You know, um, but I also told myself no Waffle House after you hunt unless you kill something. So, <laughs> uh, but the the big thing was this like you know, if you go sit for a morning, unless you're like pressing to go and you got to be somewhere, you know, sit like, you know, it, it, not even the rut, say you're hunting early season, you know, sit till, you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock, get out and dude, scout that. That was my biggest thing is I did not scout. I used to not scout my way out or scout at all. It like, you know, very much during the season. And I was like, I'm, I, you know, I started, you know, listening to certain people and, and reading up on things. I was like, okay, this one, and it, it really changed a lot of stuff for me. Is like, I would go and I'd sit, I'd make sure I had enough water and snacks, you know, sat my sit. If I, you know, no luck or whatever, I would get down. If I didn't have anywhere to be, I'm scouting everywhere. I'm everywhere that's in the surrounding area or scouting my way back to the truck. Um, you know, and I'm finding the tracks and the rubs and the scrapes because that's, you know, anything to get me closer, you know, or for a better option to sit in that evening, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and obviously that's, you know, that kind of what helped me, you know, helped me kill a couple of deer last year and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I agree. That's one thing that I've kind of picked up on too. I definitely scout my way out and then think about it as far as hey if i come out for an hour and i jump back in those woods would that be a good spot yeah. you know that, yeah. that's definitely something i've taken advantage of or actually last year because my time i got three kids too so i'm pretty limited yeah, yeah. when when it comes to when i when i get my time to go out i'm yeah. going out and i'm going to try and make it count and my problem is is i've never been able i just 
some reason I can't do it and I try and I try is to sit all day in the same spot if I know it's yeah. going to be a hot spot. But I, I'm working on it and I'm trying to find ways to improve yeah. little little things. But um, I, I've scouted my way out and gone, man, I need to set up here. I need to set up here now. And yeah. and I've yeah. seen sign and activity, but it's never been quite, you know, what a what exactly I've been looking for. So, but I'm yeah. I'm getting better at figuring it out, and uh, hopefully this year it pays off. I've got a few spots yeah. that I did I put in the work early before yeah. COVID shut all the public ground down here in Illinois. <laughs> I uh, yeah I put in the work early and did some scouting, and then uh, and then you know late season scouting, and then I did a little bit more not that long ago so hope hopefully it all pays pays off and pans out and yeah. uh i can, I've, I can make I've, it happen uh, i've i've grown to really not like the rut at all um unpredictable because where i'm <laughs> yeah it's yeah and i'm well like i said i'm super aggressive so i'm you know in there if i find a bed or if i find tracks cut the tracks back to a bed or to a food source like when when i go in and sit um past few weeks i haven't but like when i go in if if i scout and i'm feeling confident that i'm gonna kill a deer like i'm going in and i'm going in with the mentality that something's probably going to get shot you know what i mean um and i don't i don't i probably don't have enough deer on the wall or enough deer under my belt to to say that i have that mentality but i i i keep i'm super competitive and i keep a chip on my shoulder so i'm like i i say that stuff and i say it with confidence but like when it comes to the rut last year, I almost didn't know what to do with myself. Cause like I shot a deer October 10th, uh, here in West Virginia. And it was because I found tracks. I cut them back to a bed. I bumped the deer, came back four days later and I killed him, uh, where I bumped him. Like I killed him. I think he was 30 yards from his bed and he was browsing. Um, I could see his bed and I could see where I killed him, you know, from the tree I was in. So like, for me, like that's the kind of hunting that I like is is finding them, getting in there, you know, on, on a on a good wind that he thought was in his favor, and I used it to my advantage and I smoked him, and um, so I, you know, and that's another thing. Like if I if I do make it to the rut and I'm not if I don't have deer on the ground, I want to be able to be like, okay, you know, go here. It's a good pinch. It's a good funnel. Like, you know, where the does are, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I, and and that kind of thing. And, um, I think when it came time for the rut in Ohio, uh, I started hunting over there like November 7th, I believe it was a weird year over there. I don't know. It was just weird. I didn't see as many deer as I thought I should have, but, um, I also was getting more and more careless by the day because I was also getting more and more tired. Like I mentioned (laughs) earlier. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's a big thing for me is like, if I do end up making it to the rut and I, I pray that I don't just because I really like getting in there and getting it done. I like that mentality of, a, a go getting it, you know, um, that I, I will become better and, you know, really use the land and the, and what, and the does to my advantage to get on a good deer. Oh, absolutely. I still think. The rut is a very magical time, though, because it's just so unexpected. Absolutely. You know, you you never know really what's going to happen. And uh, absolutely, I got a buddy who just—I mean, there's some skill involved there, but he gets super lucky during the rut, like just <laughs> random, random bucks that he's never even seen come in. It's pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, man, cool. it's been good talking to you. And uh, before we go, I'd like to ask you if you could tell people where they can find you and what where they can listen to you absolutely absolutely um so right now i'm on instagram and facebook uh instagram is the underscore underscore bearded underscore underscore nomad and then from there you can basically find all my other stuff uh you can also find my podcast the nomad project on spotify and uh itunes and then uh facebook it's just seth porter uh and uh, that's where you guys can find me cool man i appreciate it appreciate you coming on and chatting with me about deer season it's uh absolutely making me get even more excited for my season to get kicked off here i'm sick of looking at everybody else posting pictures while i'm still sitting waiting so uh (laughs) i get it i get it completely (laughs) 
So I appreciate you coming on and talking to me, man. You have a good night. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.